All right, thank you for downloading the Cruise Control Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and on SoundCloud.com. You can follow me, the host, Randy Cruz, on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-A-N-D-Y, the letter J, C-R-U-Z. This is Billy Corbin, director of Cocaine Cowboys and the 30 for 30s, The U and Broke. And there's nothing we love in Miami more than driving cruise control with no hands, steering with our knee, and not using turn signals, which is kind of what it's like listening to the Cruise Control Podcast with my man, Randy Cruz. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Cruise Control Podcast here on iTunes and SoundCloud. Got with me today, Mr. Ryan Pinagos, the executive editor and vice president of Marvel Digital Media. Ryan, what's up, my man? How you doing? Doing well, buddy. How's it going? Doing good, man. First of all, happy holidays to you and your family and as well as the Marvel family. I know you guys have had a, a long 2015, great, successful 2015, and I know vacation is, is around the corner, so I know you want that to happen real soon, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been good. Happy holidays to you, too. Uh, yeah, I'm getting, on, uh, I'm getting on a plane, going to some warmer climbs real soon. Mm. Nice. Okay, so you're going to a warmer climate, so I'm guessing 50, 60-degree weather in New York and Christmas don't satisfy you, right? <laughs> no, actually, I love it. This is perfect uh, for me. I'm, I'm a cold-weather kind of guy. Right. We're going to uh, Louisiana, so okay. hopefully it won't be too bad. Sometimes it's when we've been there in December, it's 90 degrees. Sometimes it's 50 degrees. Mm-hmm. It's a crapshoot. Right. Like I said, we have Ryan Pinagos, the executive editor and vice president of Marvel Digital Media on the podcast right now. He's on Twitter at Agent M, A-G-E-N-T-M. Um, at first, we got to explain the origin of the Agent M name because I, I looked it up and found things like Agent M being a rock and roll group, uh, a character Michael Jackson played in, in, in Men in Black 2. Are any of those the reason why you use Agent M as your Twitter handle, or is there a different reason? <laughs> yeah, uh, totally different reason. Okay. I started at Marvel in 2006, and when I started at Marvel, sort of my role there was uh, to bring Marvel into a digital space with editorial. So writing articles and doing interviews and doing some cool stuff. And one of the ideas we had was to do a, a, like a behind-the-scenes blog. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I'd always been a fan of Nick Fury and sort of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that stuff. So I said, you know, why, doesn't, why don't we do a cool like secret agent type thing and um, it, find some ways to do it. And my boss at the time said, yeah, that sounds great. Come up with a name. And, uh, you know, I was like 24, 25, whatever it was. And I was like, I don't know. I got no ideas. How about Agent P, because my last name is Panagos, uh-huh. uh, that, that could work. And he said, okay, I get it, that's cool, but no, you're going to be Agent M, M for Marvel. And then he just sort of, in his own awesome way, just sort of walked away. And I was like, yeah, no, that's a much better name. <laughs> um, you mentioned you started at Marvel in 2006. Um, when people read your Twitter bio and see Vice President and Executive Editor, which is a great title, by the way, do, does it sound like a difficult job? Is the job difficult, or does it become easy because this is something you simply love to do? Um, I don't know that, that those things, you know, I don't know that they're mutually exclusive. It's, I, it, it can be, I don't know that it's ever easy anymore mm-hmm. um, because there's, you know, uh, in nine years at Marvel, the role has become so much bigger and right. so much, you know, more all-encompassing for every part of the, the the company and the business, and especially because Marvel has grown so much since since I started. So, you know, at, at the beginning, it was like, oh, I'm going to write articles and and sort of do some cool stuff because I had a magazine background, and I'm going to do some cool stuff, mostly about the comic books and maybe a little bit about the toys and you know, video games or whatever I was interested in, mm-hmm. uh, but. You know, like, there was no real social media presence, so I built all that. There was right. no movies that we were doing actively on our own side of, like, right when I started. We were just in the beginning of that, so I've been here for the entire, you know, really explosion of Marvel Studios. Uh, same thing for Marvel Television, where we have, you know, like, four shows right now with more on the way and, like, all this other stuff. And, and the comic side and everything is blown up so much that it's, it's not that it's gotten 
easier. It's just gotten more and bigger and, and more exciting. And luckily, right. I'm, I'm not just one guy. Uh, when I started in 2006, I think I was the fifth or the sixth person to join Marvel's digital team, mm. the only person in an editorial capacity. So we're, we're a lot bigger now than we were back then. Absolutely. Um, in doing the research before you got on, uh, I read somewhere that you, you're the man that manages 19 media accounts for Marvel. Uh, it could be more, but uh, I mean, one, so I guess you're the man that I got to convince to have yourself and Marvel follow me on Twitter. That's number one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, seriously, one, what was the process like in getting Marvel in tune with the whole social media world back in 06 and, and 07. Because uh, even you even invited the the, the Twitter founders, uh, Biz Stone and Jack Dorsey, to Marvel offices back in uh, here in New York. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and that's kind of like, it's kind of the fun way we can do things at Marvel. So I remember very distinctly reading an article about Twitter in Wired Magazine. Mm. I think it was at Penn Station in New York waiting for a train or something. And I was reading this article, I'm like, this sounds, this sounds cool. I want to do this. And so I invited uh, Biz and Jack to Marvel. I was like, I want to do stuff that's with Twitter, with Marvel. Like, what can we do? We came up with some cool ideas. And, you know, we were there pretty relatively early on. I joined in, like, July 2007, uh, right before Comic-Con. And so was using Twitter specifically for, you know, telling people what we were doing at San Diego. And, you know, it was just a, it was a cool early opportunity, and the people that I report to and work with uh, at Marvel believe in me and believe in what we do and trust my instincts that we have and, and allowed us to to grow and, and pushed us to try new things and go places where, you know, a lot of people at that time weren't. And right. it's been, we've been very fortunate to be on the forefront of a lot of it and, you know, be able to do some cool things and, and, and build up uh, in ways that some other places haven't been able to. And since then, how have the fans interacted with you and Marvel on social media? I mean, it's, it's like constant. It's, you know, all the time, never ending. And, mm. um, we, you know, for, for better or worse, there are times like a bunch of people, I, I tweeted, you know, I'm, I'm out for the year. I'm done. Um, going, you know, I'm, I'm out of the office and a bunch of people are like, can you tell us things? Will we expect any secrets to be revealed on Christmas Day? Right. And I'm like, I had to literally say to him, hey, uh, that's a day off for us. <laughs> I would hope we don't have any secrets. I don't want anyone on my team to have to work on Christmas Day. Right, right. Uh, and, you know, like, th some people get it, some people don't, but that's, that's sort of like the two sides of the coin. It's mm. like, People so excited, and I, I get it because I'm so excited too. But you know, at the same time, it's like it's a job, and sometimes you got to find ways to, to switch off. So right. it's good. Uh, it, it, really, at the end of the day, it's, it's just awesome that we have such passionate fans who are constantly excited about all the things that we're doing. It's like it's like fans don't know what to do when you're off the grid for like 24 hours and such. <laughs> Yeah, it can get a little. Uh, it can get funny reading some of those messages. Um, does does managing everything for Marvel on the digital media side get to be overwhelming at times? Um, I mean, it can be, but luckily, you know, like like I said, it's not just me anymore. I have a really talented social media manager in uh, Adrian Cowan, who she's great and she helps a lot because you know, being where I am now, I, I simply don't have the same amount of time to get as hands-on all the time. So uh, having her around is great. I'm, I'm working on hiring someone else on my social team. I'm working on hiring a whole bunch of people on my social team. But uh, I have some great editors. And so it, it's gotten to the point where we're so big that it's simply not something one person can do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and luckily, we've been able to expand. And, and it gets a little daunting. You know, at times people are out, people are sick, whatever. But we all make it work. It's good. It's a good problem to have, believe me. What led you to be, to being or becoming a, a, a comic book superhero fan? Where and how did everything all start for you? Who got you, you know, who got you into it? That's interesting. I don't, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I can't, I can remember reading comics at a very young age, like six or seven years old and like at a summer camp and reading, you know, random issue of Punisher War Journal that had Wolverine in it and like, 
some Avengers books and some like random what if comics and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that there was anyone specifically who got me into it. It was just just one of those things. Uh, my, I think my uncle liked comics when he was younger, but he never had that like he never handed me a book and said, "Hey, check this out. This is cool." Uh, it was just one of those one of those random things that I, I hooked onto early on, and you know, like like anything, I think you get in and out of excitement about it. You know, I've I stopped reading comics three or four times over my life, just got involved in other things or excited about various different things, and I always came back to it. So it was just the good storytelling is always gonna gonna hook me. What superheroes were you a fan of right from the beginning, and why? Um. I guess I love Wolverine because he's just such a badass. You know, he looks cool <laughs> right. with the hair and the claws and wow. the, the attitude and all this stuff. Uh, Spider-Man was always great. You know, like, who wouldn't want to swing around? You know, I'm from New York, so who wouldn't want to swing around New York like Spider-Man? And, like, the beauty of Spidey is, like, anyone can be Spider-Man. He's uh, Under that mask, he could be, like, any possible kid. And it was that was always pretty cool to me. Um, who else? Yeah, you know, Wolverine, Spider-Man. Uh, I didn't get into the Avengers until later. Um, I never was a huge DC fan. Um, like, I, you know, Batman's kind of cool, but he's the most Marvel of their characters, so uh, there's like a connection there that makes sense if you're a big Marvel fan. I don't know. Spider-Man and Wolverine, probably from the start. All right. <clears throat> Now, this question might be a little interesting for you. Is is there a Marvel superhero character out there that you can say is sort of like you, sort of like Ryan Penagos, the character, and personality-wise? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know I, I'm not really sure. I guess I've never, never thought about that so much. You know, it's... Until now. <laughs> There's always, like, little bits and pieces that you can probably find yourself in those characters and things that you go through. And what I love, what I've always loved, and what I think makes our character so special is they're not perfect. They're not, mm-hmm. like, like, there's always something that they've messed up or that they've had to deal with or that they are constantly going through that makes them so human and so relatable. And it's, you know, that struggle for one reason or another is always so crucial to what our characters are. And and I think in any character, um, there's probably going to be something that you find a connection to. Uh, Spider-Man, you know, like he was always, he was basically raised by his aunt, but like raised by this awesome woman, um, uh, an only child of a single mom. And it's like, I get maybe that resonated with me, um, you know, and there's just something special about our characters that I think constantly you, you find a little bit in each of them. How often in advance do you know about upcoming Marvel TV shows or, or, or Marvel movies coming out before the average fan or the average blog or, or, or website? Um, I mean, it, you know, it all it's always going to be ahead of time just because, we're always planning and I, you know, I want to get involved and, and know about things as often as I can. Um, and it, it'll depend. I mean, some of the blogs out there think they have a, a true rumor and it's just some BS and sometimes it's true. And, right. you know, I can't really worry about that stuff. Um, I know about, you know, things we do. I have to read our, uh, read our scripts and watch our shows well ahead of time like i i may take some time this vacation and watch most of daredevil season two and some of luke cage Mm. because it helps me get ready for how we're going to approach it how we get people excited about it so it's part of the job is knowing about this stuff on the flip side of that is there's really there are very few surprises so when you pick up a comic book or you watch that television show you are hopefully coming in spoiler-free, but I've already been told all the beats and know all the big story points because it, I need to know that stuff to inform what I do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So it takes away some of that surprise. Um, so everybody wants to know all these things, but I, I am very much against people getting spoiled because that's such a joyous thing. Like, 
embrace the ability to go in and be surprised. I'm pretty sure everybody that I know is a big time Marvel fan or, or, or any kids out there are pretty much big time Marvel fans. But now, how do you respond to where, let's say on social media, where you know there's a big Marvel show coming out or, or, or a Marvel movie coming out? And you guys think it's it's great, but then some fans kind of react like, you know what, that movie was okay. I thought it was gonna be better than this one, or I or I did not like it. How do you guys uh, respond to that, or do you take that as constructive criticism going going forward? You know, I, you know, because I'm not on that specific creative side, I I don't get you know I can't get too hung up on that. I think I really trust in the folks on our creative teams on Marvel Television, Marvel Studios, and the publishing side, the animation, like, they're ridiculously talented, and I right. think they're doing they're doing some really great work. And there's always going to be people with differing opinions. I mean, you look at something like Star Wars, and it's, I, I loved it, I thought it was great, but there are people who are, you know, tearing it down for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't like it, maybe they just, you know, there was something missing for them. And I think that's just going to be the way it is. So, you know, I think if there are certain things that we can look at and learn from, sure, we'll definitely be able to, to, to share that along. And it may not necessarily be about the, the work itself, but it could be about the things around it. Or mm. people want more of this character. Or, you know, they wanted to see something a little different. And that, you know, that could help. But I think we're also you know, widely pretty pretty aware of those things and pay a lot of attention. So it definitely um, is not something to ignore, but it's also uh, the, the creative minds have, like, really strong visions in their head, and I think they have to focus on that, and they usually do. Do you ever come across fans who just feel like they know more about Marvel and comics than you do? <laughs> of course. Of course. And, and, and believe me, there are definitely people who know more about you know, comics or Marvel than me. Uh, I, I would never claim to know everything. I, I do, you know, I co-host uh, our pod, our Marvel podcast called This Week in Marvel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my co-host who I've worked with now for like 12 years or 11 years, he uh, he's now the editorial director on my team. He is one of the most encyclopedic minds about Marvel and about comics that I know, hands down. I, you know, anytime I have a question, I will go to him first because I know he knows more than me. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm happy about that. I think it's good to, to have people that you know can know more than you. To think that you are the almighty uh, voice of knowledge in any field is probably uh, a fallacy. And you got to, you know, think about that a little bit. Hey, Ryan, I, I keep it real. I am not the almighty source for, for comic books or anything like that. I know I know the superheroes. I know the characters. I watch the movies and, and TV shows. But to ask me what happened in book 94 of, of, of whatever I'm like, dude, I have no idea. So I'm the, I'm the last person anybody should ask. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good thing, though. It's like that means there's so much more to learn and so right. much more to find out about. Like not knowing everything is a blessing. Mm -hmm. Is that means there's there's something to discover, right? And you know, like that's a beautiful thing. You mentioned earlier you uh, you co-host the This Week in Marvel podcast. I think you, I think you guys are around 217, 18 episodes in. Um, what led you to becoming the co-host, and how has the reception been for that podcast? Um, you know, we were like four years ago at New York Comic Con. And I had been mulling it over. I was like, oh, should we do a podcast? There used to be a Marvel podcast that was interview-focused and called the Mighty Marvel Podcast. Mm -hmm. That was hosted by Jeff Sutter, who's our, uh, our art director on the publishing side. And uh, it was a great show. I helped him out with it a couple times, and it was really good. But he, was, he had slowed down. He really wasn't doing it as much. So we hadn't really had a podcast going. So someone at uh, one of our panels was like, hey, have you guys ever thought about doing, uh, you know, another official podcast? And I was like, you know, we actually have. And that was a good catalyst. It was something that said, oh, there's, a, there's someone, a tangible audience that is excited about this, that wants something in that field, and so why don't we do it? And so it was just one of those things where I said, hey, you know, to my boss, you cool if we do a podcast? He was like, sure, what's the podcast? And, uh, you know, 
you know, sort of exploring the world, figuring out what it is, finding out what we would do with it. And then from there, just starting it. And it's, you know, it's, it's a learning experience every week because I am not a sound person. I am not like a technical person in that field. So just figuring out, oh, I messed up with, you know, this piece of equipment or I, I did this thing wrong. Um, every week it's, you know, it's always trying something different and having some fun and um, trying to bring some excitement and our own um, love for Marvel to, to the fans. And I think, I think we do a good job. There's one dude who was randomly tweeting me uh, when I announced my promotion to vice president, and I think he said, oh, finally, we won't have you uh, you doing a lazy job on the podcast. And I was like, mm. sucks for you, buddy. I'm still on the podcast. <laughs> you know what's so funny? I was just hearing the, um, the episode where you had Kristen Ritter talk about Jessica Jones, and there was one part of it that she, she mentioned that she was in Breaking Bad, and I'm a big Breaking Bad fan. I got the whole, this, the whole series on DVD and stuff, and I'm like... Kristen Ritter was in Breaking Bad. I'm like, where? <laughs> I'm like, then I had to go back into the episode where I think her and Pikmin were together, and I'm like, holy shit! I didn't even know that was her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't watched it, also it's on Netflix. She did a um, a sitcom called uh, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, and I just my wife and I just watched that this year over the summer. It is incredible. She is amazing in that and it's one of those shows that i didn't watch when it was on tv mm. uh but it was so funny she's incredible right right um are there any celebrities out there that you know of or have spoken to on the on your podcast that have you know kind of surprised you once you found out they were really big time comic book and superhero fans um you know i think it always surprises me when they when someone has like a deeper level of love and connection to to the comics of Marvel, like uh, Glenn Danzig, who, you know, used to be in The Misfits and, you know, big punk rock dude. He was telling us a story about how in the 90s, uh, I think it was the 90s or the 80s, he hung out with Jack Kirby, who is, like, the, in my opinion, the greatest comic book artist of all time. Like, he just, they were friends in California. And it was, like, this whole thing that he was talking about. Or Steve Aoki, we had by The Office, who's a gigantic Wolverine fan, like, knows his stuff hardcore or method man method man is right, right. Like, such a huge like, he reads the books every week and like he knows everything or um uh, uh my friend james who is uh he plays the genie in the, uh, aladdin on broadway mm. and like huge gigantic comic book fan knows his stuff can talk like i love it because i could talk to him about wrestling or about comics, or about Broadway, or like whatever, the dude knows his stuff. So yeah, there, there are times when we get those connections, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah, man, me and you are big-time wrestling fans. I, I, I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just got a package, uh, or we got a package from um, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian mm -hmm. right before I left. So uh, those are our boys, too, the addiction, uh, great wrestlers. Right, right. Um, one more before I switch it up. Now, I want to ask you, do you have your own personal Mount Rushmore of Marvel characters? And if you did a poll or survey to the mass people, what do you think the general consensus answer would be for the Mount Rushmore of Marvel characters? So first, your four, and what do you think others might say would be the Mount Rushmore? Mm, uh, for me... I think you go, for me, it would be MODOK, Captain America, um, Doctor Doom, and probably Spider-Man. Those are just like four that I absolutely love and connect with. And sometimes it's Thor's in there, or sometimes Cable or Deadpool. You know, it depends on my mood of the time. For, for most fans, I think a lot of it is like shaped now by exposure and, and, and the love for the films. So a lot of it right. is probably going to be Captain America and Thor. Um, you maybe put Hulk in there. Loki, I think, is up there for a lot of fans nowadays just because he's such a strong villain. Um, I don't know. It, you know, it's hard to say. That, that's a good question. Um, it would be interesting to see, like, how much more, pe how much love people come back to 
for Spider-Man mm-hmm. after our Spider-Man movie, uh, which, you know, I, I don't know a ton about yet. Well, I, I, I know some, but it, <laughs> what it's going to be is going to be, like, really cool, and I think such a, a, a great take on the character. So I think you'll see Spider-Man come back into that mix, and sort of, like, what whatever people see in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, is a lot of times those big things. And maybe Wolverine, you put him in there, too, because who doesn't love Wolverine? Mm-hmm. There's been a recent uh, Star Wars craze going on. The movie, toys, bags, everything, you name it. Um, once the trailer came out saying that the movie was going to be out December 18th, uh, everybody went crazy for it. I think you saw it twice, but without saying too much because I haven't seen it. Um, how was it and was the anticipation for it and wait for it worth it? Um, I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it, um, and I think for me the anticipation and wait was was actually was definitely uh, worth it. I yeah, I can't. It's hard to talk about it without talking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. I really loved it. We're gonna go see it again actually in the next week or so, uh, and I, I'm happy to pay to see it again. It's one of those movies that's just like there's little things that I want to see again, and like those big moments and. I, you know, I grew up on Star Wars. It's such a mm-hmm. important pop culture, you know, piece of entertainment in my life that, um, you know, I think, yeah, the, the, the weight was so intense, uh, and I think they did a great job with it. If somebody asks you, hey, hey Ryan, you, you got to live with one or the other, Star Wars, whatever, and Marvel, which one are you going with? <laughs> uh, uh, I guess Marvel. Because we, you know, it's just like, in all honesty, I love the movies, mm-hmm. and I've loved bits and pieces of everything around Star Wars. I love like some of the video games and some of the cartoons and stuff. But it never, it, it, I never had like all that, all the excitement around it. I never read all the comics. I never got into every little bit and piece. But even before I was working at Marvel, I was pretty deep into to anything Marvel. Mm-hmm. Now, I mentioned you saw Star Wars twice, correct? That's correct. Now, did you, you know, appreciate it more, or did you learn something new about it after seeing it two times? Um, so the first time I saw it was at, like, a press screening. Okay. Uh, press and, like, random celebrities and random other people screening. So it's, like, uh, Jeffrey Tambor and some of my friends from Saturday Night Live and some, like, Hoda from... Uh, television and like random people in there plus like New York film critics who are just there to do their job and so half the room was super excited mm-hmm. and half the room was like like I am object they're trying to be objective and all right, that right. Uh, so it was cool but the second time I saw it was with uh, at, was at the Alamo Draft House in Yonkers and it was the first uh, the first screening that they could get tickets to and I co-hosted it i introed the movie i brought out one of our comic book writers who writes star wars comics uh charles soul and i i brought up you know i picked three fans in the crowd to do their best chewbacca impressions and i gave away prizes nice everybody was like super excited about the movie and so seeing it with a group of people who is just ready to to be like yelling and screaming and cheering and being really happy was great. That was a great thing. And there were definitely little things I picked up uh, in the second viewing. And like, yeah, I don't want to give anything away because you haven't seen it yet. But mm-hmm. I think it's definitely a movie you're going to want to see a, a couple times. I even read today uh, somewhere. I mean, I'm pretty sure you know about it, but that Star Wars even broke the 11 and a half year record of Spider-Man 2 for the biggest Monday at the box office, uh, Spidey had twenty-seven point seven. Star Wars had forty million on a Monday. It's, it's crazy. It's amazing. Dang, I I hadn't read that. I've been off the. Oh, there you go. Crazy. <laughs> I I would I would have well, th- thought you knew about that by now. <laughs> it's only Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess I beat Ryan to to something. Then at least that that accounts for something, right? Yes, yeah, so, you know, on those days off, when when you work online all the time, mm-hmm. take a day off, 
and you're dealing with your own stuff sometimes, staying right. off the internet is like the greatest thing in the world. Mm. Marvel has been doing these uh, Star Wars books that you mentioned to me earlier, uh, starting this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how has the reception been from the fans regarding, regarding the Star Wars books that you guys have been doing? And were, were there more Star Wars fans out there that you thought prior to these books? Um, I mean, one, the reception was has been incredible just because we've been, you know, we're fortunate to be the top place where comics are made. They're the best writers, the best artists, the best characters, and the best, you know, creators, editors, everything top to bottom. Uh, I believe that totally 100%. And so when we, when Lucas and we worked out like, hey, we're taking all the comics in-house, in-family, so we're going to, Marvel's going to do the Star Wars comics, we were able to put on some of the most absolutely top talented people in all of comics, all of comics to work on them. And the results are, are there. It's like the greatest books in the world. And they all are part now part of the canon. So they all are officially part of what you would consider Star Wars history. You know, like we're right now have a story called Vader down, which is just, there's a one-shot called Star Wars Vader Down, number one, and it is hands down my absolute favorite Darth Vader uh, interpretation story, period. It's like if you think Vader is cool and like kind of a badass in the movies, right. you take that and you ramp it up to like 20. He is a monster. It's like, it's like a nightmare walking. He's so cool and so dangerous and scary. And... I think we were able to tell these really great stories uh, that just speak so highly of our creator's love for the characters and the strength of all these characters in the Star Wars brand that, you know, even though some people at first were a little bummed because there'd been this great history of Star Wars comics from Dark Horse and even way back in the day from Marvel, you know, it was like, oh, now it's all going to be this new stuff people were a little unsure of it and it was almost immediate like oh wow this is this is the best thing mm. ever so it's been really great and you know it's hard to like underestimate the number of star wars fans out there because you know like it's one of those things that almost everyone has some experience or connection to star wars right and so it's just cool to see so many of them coming to our comics uh, who may not have been reading the books before. Now, along with the Star Wars book, uh, Marvel brought back the Secret Wars book in, in May of 2015, uh, recalling the 1984-85 series. For someone like me who's who's heard of it but has never read it, sell me on, on why me and others out there should go out there and read it. But, you know, it, it's, one, it's, it's like this crazy... It, this crazy, crazy story. Mm -hmm. And part of it is it's, it's like the art is absolutely jaw droppingly beautiful. And the story is full of these big, larger than life characters. And it's wild, but it's also like a story of family and heroism and, and the, you know, Dr. Doom being like, basically if Dr. Doom got control of all reality, this is what happens. And it turns into this great big story where this planet is put together and each little, like, basically country on the planet is this different, almost reality. So you have uh, a place where apocalypse rules over mutants and you have another place that's kind of like the Old West and you have another place that's full of zombies and killer robots and you have another place that is just full of hulks, like, just thousands of gamma irradiated monsters and like all these kinds of stories coming together as one planet and the the struggle of how doom takes control and tries to keep control is is just incredible and we have the last issue coming out uh in january i think it's like january 13th or so um and that's like the biggest end to any story we've ever done and it's really really exciting it's just it's one of those things where you can come in totally cold, pick up Secret Wars number one, which came out earlier this year, and it, it basically sets you, drops you right in the middle of the battle that destroys all of reality. 
and you go off from there. Mm-hmm. Now, next year, uh, a movie's going to come out. I'm pretty sure you've heard of it. It's called Captain America Civil War. Um, it'll be out May 6th, 2016. But before we get to that, coming up on January 19th at 8 o'clock on ABC, they will air a one-hour special called Marvel's Captain America, 75 Heroic Years, plus some sort of <clears throat> announcement from Marvel comics during the special um let's talk about the special and what fans can expect on january 19th yeah so we've been doing these cool specials on abc the last couple of years we did one for just marvel 75th anniversary we did uh one about the marvel cinematic universe and they're just they're really cool little mini documentaries almost and uh, documentaries mixed with just excitement from people who are part of these universes so uh, it's executive produced by my boss, John Cirilli, who is over here at Marvel, and uh, we've got you know interviews with all these great people who are involved with Captain America or have a connection to Captain America, because 2016 is the 75th anniversary right. for Captain America. So this special is sort of the kickoff of just a whole bunch of fun stuff we're going to be doing throughout the year, whether it's on... You know, on social media, a lot of stuff that I'm going to be doing uh, on Marvel.com, some stuff that myself and my team are going to work on, uh, and well beyond that. And, yeah, y- yes, the movie is, is a huge thing and definitely a really exciting part of it, but it's Captain America, man, 75 years, yeah. it's a big old celebration all year long. What did you think of the first trailer for Civil War? <laughs> I loved it. I mean, it was great. It was, uh, I had heard about us getting it, uh, only a couple days before, uh, and we were kept, we were keeping it really secret, and not even we didn't even tell people it was coming on Jimmy Kimmel. There was a little hint that something was happening, but we we didn't tell people that the trailer was going to come, and um, it was just like it was fantastic. I think I I got the file because uh, I needed it for to do the work, um, you know, a couple hours before it aired on TV, and we posted it online, and I, I watched it a bunch of times, and I think I made. 37 animated gifts from the, the two and a half minute trailer before mm-hmm. anybody even got to see it. So it was good times. Hey man, I, I tell you once, you know, one, you guys did a great job keeping it secret because nobody knew until once they find out it was going to be on Kimmel and once it aired and it's like, I, I, I don't have it. I don't have as many followers as you do on Twitter, but every single person I seen from that point on from midnight to two o'clock in the morning, it was all about Civil War and, and Captain America, Iron Man, Black Panther, so on and so forth. And it just really got me excited to to see the movie. Um, basically, the whole the whole day it was all Civil War the, the day after and and stuff like that. So I think it got you know you guys did a great job of promoting that and keeping it secret for 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 so many people. Uh, well, thank you. I mean, it's one of those things. It's crazy, you know. I I joke around with people online and use. Like, you know, I have this joke about secrets and keeping them and stuff. But that's true. It's so much of what we do is shrouded in secrecy because, uh, you know, like there's all these plans that are always in place and, and method to our madness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when stuff like the Captain America Civil War trailer comes totally, you know, and catches people by surprise, it feels real good. Now, do you see that as a more of a good thing or a bad thing that Marvel keeps a lot of things secret? I think it's a good thing. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, everybody wants all the information they possibly can, but like I was saying earlier, it's like, the, the less you know about something, right. the more opportunity you have to be surprised and delighted by it. You could also be surprised and infuriated by it, but at least that element of surprise is such a it's such a special thing that you, you can take it for granted really easily. So if you can get surprised by things, uh, and hopefully it'll, it's in a good way, that's pretty terrific. Now, does does Civil War have the potential to be better than um, Avengers 1 or Age of Ultron? Because now they're, they're fighting on opposite sides, along with the anticipation of Spider-Man being in it, but we just don't know which side he's going to be on. Well, I can't really speak to any of that. Ah. Uh, we're going to have to wait <laughs> on anything. 
<laughs> concerning Marvel's Captain America Civil War. All right. You see how I did that? It was real good. I'm good at keeping these secrets. Very well done. Very well done. <laughs> um, what do you think about Spider-Man being portrayed and played by the 19-year-old Tom Holland? Um, it could be cool. I mean, I to be honest, I don't know too much about him. I saw some videos he posted online, so I'm excited. You know, whenever we we finally get to see him and whatever he's in, um, it'd be great. Now, with you being a, a, a Spider-Man fan, how excited were you that he's back in the uh, in the MCU? I'm sorry, you were breaking up a little bit. How excited what? How excited are, are you knowing that Spider-Man is now back in the MCU? Oh, my God. I mean, incredibly excited. I very distinctly remember staying to at Marvel headquarters in New York City until, like, well after midnight to make sure we got that news out. And... Uh, it was good. It felt real good. It's, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, I think Marvel Studios does such an incredible job. So watching them, you know, put all this together is just, it's incredible. And then, you know, even before we get there, we also have Doctor Strange, which, right. you know, is one of those things that hardcore comics fans know a lot about, maybe a little bit on the periphery, but I think that's going to be another really surprising and awesome movie for a lot of people. Now, you know, next year in, in in the month of May is going to be very, very fast paced and interesting because not only Civil War, but uh, you also have X Men Apocalypse on Memorial Day. So, how excited are you for X Men Apocalypse to to come out? Um, I hope it's good. You know, I, I honestly I don't know too much about it other than what what I've seen on the trailers. So, um, I you know I've always loved the X Men. So. I'm hoping it's awesome, and I think Oscar Isaac is uh, is really good, so he could he could be really fun there. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought Ant uh, I thought Ant Man was really good uh, this year. I, I I didn't know what to expect from him and the movie, and I saw it, and I thought it was really good, better than what I thought it was going to be. Maybe a bit overshadowed by Age of Ultron being released. Uh, what did you think of Ant Man? I thought it was, you know, I, I had read the script um, a couple, uh, it must have been like a year beforehand, and it was so funny, and have, being able to picture Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas, uh, particularly in, in their parts of the script, I was like, this has got to be really good, and it was delightful. I, Paul Rudd is one of my favorite actors, uh, so I think it was really cool seeing that. It's just, you know, it's really, it was great seeing this different, part of the cinematic universe, but also how we can thread it into the larger MCU when you put Falcon in there. And it's just, it's mm-hmm. great. One area where Marvel really ramped things up was, uh, introducing Daredevil and Jessica Jones to the, to the whole Netflix world. And both have been phenomenal hits. Um, I've said not because you're on the show, but I've said many times that Daredevil was the best TV show of 2015 how it was directed it was dark the characters were amazing it was you know daredevil was different than anything i've seen on basic tv with other superhero shows did daredevil exceed your expectations of what the show was going to be like uh well first thank you uh the marvel tv folks uh worked super hard on that and you know i remember i've been reading some of the scripts and I think when I read the script to issue four or episode four, and there's that like the big kingpin moment by the end, I was like, "Holy crap! This is intense. <laughs> this is this is like next level." I was Very. like, "It was just so different from anything we've done," and I was really excited for it. And then finally seeing it all come together and seeing all those like everybody embodies their characters so well. That, yeah, it was incredible. And, like, what we have coming up in, in Season 2 is, is also it's bonkers. It's really great. It's really, it's like, it's hard to just be so excited and hyperbolic about stuff, but it really is. <laughs> We're in a good place right now, and I'm very fortunate and thankful. Right. What what made Daredevil so good, and, and, and what's the, the, the expectations like for, for Season 2, knowing that Punisher and Elektra are going to be involved? You know, I think part of it goes back to who these characters are and what makes them so special. You know, like Daredevil, Matt Murdock, he's got these various layers to him. You know, he's he's got this 
religious guilt, but he's got this sense of justice, both on the legal side and both on, like, I, I grew up in a hard neighborhood. I grew up without a dad. I grew, like, he has all these things that sort of add these layers to who he is, which makes a really compelling character, because as good as he is, he's also battling some dark stuff and some, some thoughts that don't fully sit well with him, but he's he can't get rid of them. So I think that's it's a really interesting character. And then, on the flip side, everything about Kingpin in that show was amazing. Like, you took this, what could have been just this giant mountain of a man and turn him into a cackling like overlord but that Wilson Fisk character mm. was so layered and detailed and like that I, I keep going back to that episode four like that dinner that he has with Vanessa and those conversations like that relationship between Wilson Fisk and Vanessa is so that sticks out to me so much. So I, a lot of it is character stuff. The world and all the action, which was incredible, is amazing. But I think the team did such an amazing job building characters in those 13 episodes. And then you look at season two, it's like, where do they go from there? Right. All the revelations that have happened uh, for Daredevil in his personal life, the things he's had to deal with, the, you know, the place that, he has left Hell's Kitchen in, the repercussions for all the different things that have mm. gone on, where various characters from the first season land by the end. Um, and then you start introducing those elements like Elektra and like Punisher and who knows what else. And it's, it, it adds to a really, really exciting uh, you know, future. I, I saw the whole show, well, I finished it back in May, June, something like that. And then I was telling my brother about it. And, you know, the fall coming around, I think it's September, October, and I said, hey, man, this, this is one show you, you got to see. And he said, what's that? I said, Daredevil. And I don't know whether he got turned off because of the whole movie from back in the days and maybe he just wasn't a fan of it. I said, I said man, you, when you see all the episodes of Daredevil, it's different, it's dark, it's longer, it's, it's like an hour every episode. You'll love it. And then, you know, he saw the first two. I... I, I you know, he was on the fence still. And then three, then four, the episode five kept going on. And every time we finished it, he'll have this look on his face like, what is finished? Nah, man. <laughs> one more, one more. And like, it's 12 midnight. I got to see one more. And then when the, fin the, the finale came on, he was like, man, that's it. I was like, yeah, man. And he's like, well, when is season two? I'm like, man, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, oh, man, that's, that's fucked up. <laughs> So just just go just showing you how like that show was so phenomenal, man. I, I I kid you not. And you know me and him are waiting. I showed my mother Daredevil. She loved it. So you know you have a lot of Marvel fans over here, and I can't wait for for season two for that. Well, I'm glad, man. It's 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 exciting, and uh, I think it's you know it's proof that we can tell all kinds of different stories and different you know paces and levels and. We're, we're in a really good place, and uh, right. it's a very fortunate experience right now. Mm. Real quick, I, I'm almost done with Jessica Jones. I, I got one episode left. I, I probably should have seen it before I had you on. But <laughs> <laughs> I like I, I like the series. I like Ritter. Uh, she, uh, everything is different from Daredevil as people want to compare it, which I don't know why and how. But I'm pretty sure you've seen the whole series. Um, explain to those who have not seen it why this series is so good and it's unique and different. And it really can't be compared to, to, to Daredevil because... You just can't. No, you really can't. I mean, she's she's such a different, like, her central character. There are elements that are similar to, to a lot of the heroes, but she's so different. And I think why Jessica is so amazing is, you know, her, her roots in the comic books are very similar to what you see in the TV show. And that's huge credit to Brian Michael Bendis and, uh, you know, Alex Maleev and... and and Michael Gatos and the, like the creators who worked on her comics, building this foundation and that history. And when you see it on screen, it's she's someone who is struggling to. She's basically dealing with some PTSD and some some serious stuff, mm. and trying to get her life on track and trying to be a good person and trying to do the right thing. 
also she's very realistic about her place in the world and who she is and and how she views things and it's there's a, a level of sar- sarcasm and um, like causticness that is just is part of like uh, her ex- comes from her experience and I think that feels very uh, real to a lot of people like it's she feels she's a very realized character to a lot of people and she's dealing with this horrible I barely can call him a man because he's just just a piece of garbage. Mm. But like the villain in the show is so deplorable on so many levels that it's fascinating to watch like them circle each other and deal with each other's experiences in their lives and this battle for I don't know. It's hard to say. Like it's hard to like not dramatize it even more. But it's it's really it's it's fascinating to watch. It's a it's a really interesting show, and I think um, one of the, my favorite things is the friendship between uh, Jessica and, and Trish Walker. I think that shines throughout the whole show, and then uh, there's some really fun stuff by the end of the series that I don't know if you got to yet, but with like, the character Will Simpson, I think that's going to be a really neat thing. Um, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of fun stuff to it. It's cool to see just a really awesome female superhero. Along with Civil War and X-Men, you got Luke Cage series coming out on Netflix next year. You got a Deadpool movie coming out in, in 2016. Am I missing something, Ryan? Because it, it, it already sounds like you guys are going to be a, a having a long and very interesting 2016 in Marvel, man. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot you don't know yet. Mm, <laughs> a lot yeah. we can't talk about yet. Um, and a lot to come. And, you know... It, it's going to be a pretty crazy, wild, and, and exciting 2016. I think, um, of course, you know, Doctor Strange, which we talked about a little bit, right. and I think um, a lot of stuff on the publishing side, and I, I think our, as our video games continue to get really fun and exciting, like, it's just, we're in a place where every part of the business is just firing on all cylinders and doing some cool stuff, and, and hopefully I'll even have some surprises uh, over the next couple months to share with people. Hey, man, you guys had a great 2015. Much, much great luck to you guys in 2016. Ryan Panagos, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Again, you're on Twitter at Agent M. Um, you know, you guys want to know more stuff about Marvel and superheroes, contact him. Um, the podcast, This Week in Marvel, go check it out on iTunes. Ryan, again, thank you, and happy holidays to you and your family and the Marvel family. Thanks, and uh, happy holidays to you and yours, your brother and your mom. Keep looking out for Daredevil. It's going to be fun. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Cheers. All right.